brain might just help you learn something in more ways than one. Welcome to Dr. Gary Bell's Absurd Psychology. Dr. Bell is a licensed marriage and family therapist. He'll be your guide on this crazy exploration designed to bring life back to our existence. Can you become the element of change in an ever-changing world? Possibly, but you've got to listen on to find out. Now, here's the host of Absurd Psychology, Dr. Gary Bell. Welcome, everybody. Okay, we're going to have a fiery show today. I'm going to be talking about the psychology of identity politics and radicalizing America. And the reason I wrote the show is because so many people are just stressed out by the way that the media is operating and and, uh, the politics are operating. I mean, this country is trying to change, and there's a lot of good things that we could be doing but can't seem to get done because people are just fighting and fighting and fighting. That stresses people out. People have no idea how that stress impacts them, and we'll go into that a little bit later. But, you know, let's first peel back. What is identity politics? And it's it's basically based uh, around either race, ethnicity, sex, religion, uh, of caste, if you're from India, sexual orientation, physical disability, or some other assigned or perceived trait. You know, it's uh, some groups have historically uh, blended uh, social class analysis and class and uh, consciousness into such beliefs, you know, like the Black uh, Panther Party or, uh, you know, if you look at this, basically what people do is they slap a label on someone if they believe or they they infer that somebody has certain types of beliefs then they basically slap a label on them and then they're grouped into a group of people that they may or may not want to be involved in and basically they just keep pounding on that label until that label sticks to you. And and along with the political spectrum, identity politics is based on the argument that uh, oppressed groups can use their identity as a source of collective resistance to their commonly felt uh, oppression. And and these problems must be dealt with separately on their own in a self-contained level. But what people do is they pull together in a little click and basically they make themselves into a victim theme and then they go to war with anyone that doesn't agree with them or may influence them in a negative way. You know, the political right considers it inappropriate that a minority in, in claiming an identity expects enumeration or unprecedented rights. The, the individualist, the libertarians' ideology of the right, make the idea that rights be granted based only on race, religion, gender, sexual orientation, or culture, or a, a, a non sequitur. Particularly, um, uh, the liberal democratic theory, if, if a right is extended only a portion of society, it, it's no longer a right but a privilege. And so another criticism of identity politics comes from the radical left. And this sector on the left considers identity politics detrimental to the working class culture. They hope to see that we take the forefront upon another revolution to overthrow capitalism. And these critics, these are basically a socialist position, by the way. Uh, Elizabeth Warren is a fine example of that. Uh, Bernie Sanders is a fine example of that. Um, you know, identity politics unnecessarily divides the working class amongst itself and it alienates an enormous amount of people and it dehumanizes them and it turns them into a label. 
And then what they do is they attack that label. And doing that over and over and over again creates a lot of chaos because everyone knows that life is gray. It's not black and white. And identity politics is is all black or all white. It's, there is no in the middle. There's nothing in the middle. And that uh, lack of a voice makes things enormously difficult. And a lot of rage comes from that. Because if you think about what creates anger and rage, there's two roots to it. There's fear and there's disrespect. And disrespect is not listening. And when people don't listen, people go to rage uh, because they don't feel heard. They don't feel safe. They don't feel they have a voice. And so what happens is there's suddenly a lot of bad behavior that goes on. And that's what identity politics does. It shuts down people's perspective. It shuts down perceptions. And, and what it does is it, de- it just basically makes a human into a label. And that is a terrible 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 thing and so we as a country ha- are are not listening to each other and it's so important to hear each other because people that want to get attention what they do is they say the most radical things but a lot of times they're just venting and so uh, understandably uh, people will overstate themselves if they don't feel heard and they'll say the wrong thing to get attention and then suddenly they have to backpedal 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 and so identity politics grabs onto those bad venting moments and turns that language into reality and it basically warps uh, what a person is saying and uh, so we get what we get is a very angry society and uh, not a good thing not a safe thing and here we are in in the greatest country in the world uh, United States and we fight we're fighting we're divided and uh, not a good thing not a good thing for what are supposed to be mature uh, open people living with each other. All of us come from all kinds of different cultures. We're all made up. If you look at the human race over 150,000 years, if you did your genetics, go to genebase.com, you're going to find out that you're made up of just about every type of culture across the world in different percentages, Asian, uh, black, uh, African, European, whatever it is, it's uh, you're, you're Middle Eastern, you're, you're made up of all of that. Uh, Latino, all of it comes from all over the world. And that's as, as we become more globalized, we actually become more homogenous. We, we become more of a person of the world rather than a person of a certain country or culture. You know, uh, also the uh, GLBT, which is gay rights activists, they, they basically also hold on to that identity politics approach, as particularly when they're trying to uh, protest and get attention, they will also use identity politics to, to basically slap a label on the opposite side or people that may not believe the way they believe. Uh, and they empower themselves through that. Uh, identity politics is very angry. You know, because our politically correct politicians and media refuse to re, uh, acknowledge radicalization, they are more concerned about political cor- correctness than safety. You know, radical media are communication outlets that disperse action-oriented political agendas, utilizing existing communication infrastructures and its supportive users. And one of the most powerful 
uh, uh, media structures we have out there is the social media because it's unchecked media. It is media coming from people's brains without resources, without facts. Some of it's right, some of it's in the middle, and some of it's just dead wrong. And so a lot of people get a lot of misinformation and then they radicalize based on the labels that come from that misinformation. You know, we've got to get smarter if we're going to have all of this uh, information coming at us in so many different angles. We all need to become our own person. This is what this country was built on, rugged individualism. And that means we all are a person with an opinion, right or wrong, but we have our own perceptions. And all of us have to be willing to hear perceptions, even the, the stupidest perceptions will come to the middle eventually if they're heard. You know, um, radical media uh, uh, basically manifests uh, social movements like uh, individualistic uh humanistic sociopolitical model of, of disinformation. And, and while the coverage of this term coincides with, with other branches of, of alternative media, namely uh, tactic, tactical and the activist media, it differs from conventional mass media in terms of its ideology and behavioral practices. So some media that are categorized by radical media include but are not restricted to community media, student media, Tactical media, subcultural media, uh, social movement media, citizen media, alternative journalism, groups that fall under radical media emphasize egalitarian channels characterized by inclusive, action-driven, prefigurative, and marginal practices that challenge the conventional media. So what is this fake news thing? Well, it's a type of yellow journalism and propaganda. And it consists of deliberate misinformation, hoaxes that are often spread by traditional print and broadcast news media or online social media. Now, the fake news is written and published with the intent to mislead in order to gain financially or politically, often when with sensationalized, exaggerated, and patently false headlines that grab a person's attention and get them into watching or reading what that person has to say. And, and sadly, uh, a lot of it is a parody or a satire or and they're, they're, they don't have any sources or they say they have sources, but they won't say who the sources are. And so fake news is out there now in our mainstream media. So you, you have to be careful and really have to begin to wonder, should I be watching this news or not? And what are they telling me? And from what angle are they coming? I mean, you really have to psychoanalyze the freaking media because they won't just report the facts because the facts are too boring. I mean, we don't live in the age of Walter Cronkite half-hour news just laying it out for us and basically getting a, 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 a down-the-middle view of what's going on out there. And that kept people sane. But this is insane, what's going on in our media. And it is socially going to destroy our country and what we're all about. I mean, look at all these statues coming down. I don't necessarily agree with Civil War statues, but they are a part of our history and we can't erase that. But guess what? Now that all, that all is called the Ku Klux Klan. It's basically the South was the Ku Klux Klan during the war and we need to remove all that hatred. Well, there wasn't all, you know, the whole war wasn't all about slavery. It was all about economy. It was about a whole lot of things. And so leaving out that discussion leaves us to wonder 
what that war was about so that we can learn from it. That's when we were fighting amongst ourselves, much like we're doing today. And so the deal is, is if we ignore that history, then we do it again. And so we've got to learn from history, even bad history, even history that that is not likable. We've got to learn from those kind of events. You know, the impact of fake news is a worldwide phenomenon. And I can tell you fake news uh, is very pervasive, especially in uh, some parts of Europe, but especially in England. England has enormous amounts of fake news out there. Uh, it's amazing uh, that that, that uh, virus has basically spread itself over to the United States, and it's been going on for quite a while. But we also have to think about the millennial generation that we're, we're dealing with at this point. Millennials grew up with Entertainment Tonight as their primary form of information, MTV. that kind of stuff is is not good because they don't understand that that is a very biased scope of information. And so Entertainment Tonight basically has set the groundwork, and I'm not saying that particular show, but those type of shows have really set the groundwork for how – uh, what what catches the eye of the millennial and what actually catches the ear of the millennial. And it's basically also, uh, they don't know what the flat media was, what the media was that was down the middle and just told the truth. They don't really understand what that is because they never saw it. And so now that we're in this generation, this generation is getting entertainment news. And that's not just about Hollywood. That's about politics. That's about people. That's about communities. It's all about entertainment and making money. So what is the effects? You know, America is divided and identity politics is really to blame because if if you asked what is dividing America on campus, I imagine there would be a long list of concepts such as inequality, racism, patriarchy, white supremacy, and many other exciting topics people love to spout off to show how they're not just sheep-like rest of America. Some, Some of their points are valid. You know, there's always been racism and inequality in America, and there's always will be. You know, one may ask, why hasn't it gotten any better? Well, our country has become light years more progressive and liberal since the days of our founding fathers, and yet racism and inequality seem only beginning worse. How is it possible? Well, that's easy. Identity, politics. And now it's in our media so strong that that's all we see. And so our opinions are becoming radicalized, reactionary, rather than who we are, who we really are. You know, and it's sad. You know, never mind that the United States is one of the least racist countries on earth. Identity politics and postmodern philosophy as a whole need to convince the populace that they're racist for the, the ideology to work. And the whole point is to convince the ruling class that they're evil, and what better way to do so than label them as racist. Make them feel guilty for something, even when they aren't, and they will rush to relinquish social power, and they will back away, and all of a sudden, uh, the people with these radical opinions come at them and take over. And uh, once a, a generation internalizes the crimes they never committed, they will gladly destroy themselves and their culture in the name of repentance and saving face. Identity politics take the worst parts of both conversation skills of a toddler and the prestige of a college degree. Students are urged to express their opinions, but only if they pass the privilege test first. 
White, forget it. Male, forget it. Maybe we'll talk after an ancestry report. White male, shut up and listen because we have some serious dismantling uh, of privilege to undertake. And the root of the argument is an attempt to dismantle the self as one's identity. The idea is to break hegemony by destroying the ruling class and identity via dismissal and diminution. And, and beginning with the ruling class and working slowly but surely down the ladder until identity is wholly removed from culture and humanity. And it's deeply intertwined in, in Marxism and, and, and uh, postmodernism. This is something that has been around for years and years and years and years and years. But unfortunately, it's caught fire in the United States. You know, they've, they've basically, identity politics has created a Pavlovian, which means that the dog drooling when the food is, is put out, uh, response from, from basically a, mind, a hive mind of each side of the political spectrum. Campus culture is seeping out into the country, reducing conversations over important subjects Instead, it's just hurling buzzwords and, and, and stupid stuff at everybody. And at first, I, I kind of thought it was funny, especially up at Berkeley. I mean, my God, they were all about listening to all kinds of sides of people. And now they've turned it into a, a basically a place where no one can speak uh, safely. They can't even uh, expect to live if they speak at Berkeley. God forbid somebody have a point of view that other people don't agree with. There are reasons why those points of view mm-hmm. come up, and it doesn't mean they're right, but it needs to be their process because those bad, those tough thoughts, those uh, maybe extreme thoughts, had come from somewhere. And when we learn where they come from, we stabilize and begin to come back to the middle of being safe and being decent human beings. We can learn from everybody. Everybody can learn from everybody. You know, right now, identity politics have our nation in, 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 at a stopping point, at a chokehold. We, we can't take enough steps back from our screaming match to see that it's our own hands at our own throats squeezing the life out of us. You know, each time the, the, the buzzword bell is rung, our eyes glaze over and we spew our baseless insults on each other. If you see that, if you watch CNN and, and watch any kind of news, CBS, all that kind of news, it, it, these aren't newscasters. These are people with opinions. And basically, they're spouting their opinion uh, just like a politician rather than trying to dissect what's going on out there in the world. So... You know, we have to look at how it's used. The, the politics of identity is a kind of cultural politics. It relies on the development of a culture that is able to create new and affirmative conceptions of the self to articulate collective identities and to forge a sense of group loyalty. They, they're much like nationalism. It requires a development of rigid definitions and boundaries between those who have a particular collective identity and those who do not. And basically what it does is it pairs one against the other. And by doing that, they can market mm-hmm. ideas to various groups and make money by, post, by propping up those groups and promoting those groups. And that is where it all comes from. All right, we're going to take a quick break. We're going to come back to how it's being used. We're going to see how it's being used on Trump. We're going to look at, is Trump crazy? And then uh, we're going to look at the media and mental health. Come back. (laughs) 
Change your world. Motivate. Change. Succeed. VoiceAmericaEmpowerment.com. Dr. Gary Bell is a licensed marriage and family therapist in Southern California, but he is here to help you no matter where you are. Visit drgbmft.com. You can schedule an appointment with Dr. Bell, and many major health insurance plans are accepted. Call or text Dr. Bell today at 951-818-7856 or visit drgbmft.com. Dr. Bell could help you take back your life in four to eight carefully constructed sessions. Stop coping and start living in the now. Call 951-818-7856 or visit drgbmft.com today. Inspired, encouraged, and connected on our lively, award-winning, healthy living power hour, Star Style. Be the star you are with host and empowerment architect, Cynthia Bryan. Live every Wednesday at 4 p.m. Pacific on the Voice America Empowerment Channel. Tune in to the Power Party for positive, uplifting, life-changing talk radio. Visit StarStyleRadio.com. It's your world. Motivate. Change. Succeed. VoiceAmericaEmpowerment.com You are tuned in to Dr. Gary Bell's Absurd Psychology. If you have a question for Dr. Gary or his guest, please call in to 1-888-346-9141. That's 1-888-346-9141. That's easy enough, but if you want to send an email, it'll take some thinking. Got a pen? The email address is drgbmft at sbcglobal.net. Or you can just click on Email Host on the Voice America page. Now back to Dr. Gary Bell's Absurd Psychology. Welcome back, everybody. Okay, we're talking about uh, identity politics and the radicalization of the United States. And i got to tell you, you know, I'm taking on this to- topic because it's important for people to understand that there is a lot of brainwashing that goes on out there that affects how we interact with each other. We become very divided, uh, very afraid, very concerned about our country, about the people we live with, because they take on such a radical perspective, and we have to know where that comes from. I mean, it's almost sad because you don't even want to have a a conversation about politics uh, uh, publicly. Nobody really wants to talk about why or why they didn't vote for Trump. I mean, people certainly want to talk about why they didn't, but the people that actually did are afraid to talk about why they voted for Trump. And it's uh, very simple. It's not the Trump. It's his agenda. The agenda was awesome. And it's about America. And it's sad that people won't just come to their grips and begin to hear what's going on out there. And so we can have a better dialogue about how to shape our country. You know, many uh, progressive activists today have come to the base their political analysis collectively and often ideologically constructed identities which are seen as immutable and all-encompassing and these identities for many provide a retreat where they can feel comfortable and safe from the assaults and the insults of the rest of society you know today 
is the case because many of these who profess radical critique of society do not uh, feel able, as activists did in the 50s and 60s, to engage people outside their own self-identified group. So they press for improvement to their disadvantaged status and join in a coalition. And basically what identity politics, it defines groups so different from one another with the gap dividing them so wide and unbridgeable that interaction is purposeless. Uh, Not only is it assumed that the working together will inevitably fall uh, to bring progressive change that would benefit from any particular group. In addition, identity groups discourage political contact because of their concern that the psychology inquiry and the personal discomfort they believe such contact inevitably entails will harm people, self-esteem, and erode their identity. Uh, It it is basically zero sum. So what helps one group will inevitably harm another group. And and what may benefit may hurt other people. And and it's it's very disparaging. You know, in the name of advancing interests of, of your own group, it rejects attempts to educate, pressure, and change society as a whole. The most powerful people in the world are the people who listen. People who listen and validate. I understand. So I hear what you're saying. So what you're telling me is this. That means you're beginning a dialogue, and you may learn from each other and find a way to agree. But what, unfortunately, we're just labeling and then radicalizing against one or the other labels. And that just can't be done in in a democracy and, and expect to sustain itself as a democracy if people operate like that. You know, so we're fighting against ourselves and we're fighting against the very fabric that has made this country what it is today. And it's the greatest country in the world. You know, like other progressive societal movements, feminism has been deeply affected by the growth of identity politics. You know, with feminism, identity politics has taken uh, two often related forms, which are, are one is generally referred to as a difference or essentialist feminism, and the other is victim feminism. And so when we divide women into these categories, we don't really discover who is the woman and why should she have rights. We all have equal rights in this country. It's taken a, a lot of history to get us to that, but we finally are getting there. Now we have to exercise those rights, but that means we have to be willing to hear each other. And so, you know, um, if we look at Donald Trump, for instance, you know, it, it, it's, it's the, the, he basically has taken a position, which he has fueled identity politics, too, because what he basically does is the is, is longer that people talk about him being a racist, as long as people talk about him uh, being one label or another, being, you know, uh, uh, somebody who's stupid or somebody who's crazy, as long as they slap a label on him, all they do is attack him and they don't really put uh, an agenda out there. And so his agenda will be the only one that's ever heard. Unfortunately, there's no platform for the Democratic Party um, there probably won't be because all they want to do with the media and, and the big media moguls, because they're making lots of money at this, is just insult the hell out of the guy. I mean, most of the, the, the things that are said about him, at least 95%, are bad. And if you look at headlines, if you just get on the Internet, go on Yahoo or whatever, you're going to find CNN and all these other big media outlets with negative labels on him on the headlines 
leading to some conclusion and basically then just giving rumor and innuendo in the story. You know, it, 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 it's it, it's amazing to think what's happened, but he's going to keep people off their base by continuing to label and attack. And, and as long as he's labeling and attacking and as long as people are labeling and attacking him, nothing really gets done. I'm hoping that he will stop tweeting out these very diverse opinions and let us all have a dialogue together, a political dialogue, Democrat, Republican, liberal, uh, conservative, whatever, wherever somebody falls Let's all have a dialogue and try to get things done. The agenda is good. If we can all talk about it, we're going to get a lot done out there. And it's going to be about America and not some political party. You know, uh, if we can uh, mention identity politics on the left and suggest that it doesn't exist on the right, that's wrong. You know, it exists on both sides. Uh, Barack Obama clearly had a special connection to African Americans because of what he represented in terms of race, identity, and history. Trump seems to have a similar connection with white voters for reasons that can't be separated from race, identity, and history. You know, the Trump campaign and now the Trump presidency is infused with identity uh, politics just not kind to reporters, not kind to pundits, pollsters, political strategists. They tend to talk about that very often. And, and white identity politics and the politics of white resentment seems to be the way we are. But it, what's sad is, is if we all look at our individual lives and the, 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 the amount of different cultures that are in our society, I don't think all of us are so polarized. I don't think all of us are what is represented out there in the United States and in the world. I think we all have a great respect for each other's cultures and each other's backgrounds. We don't have to like where it all came from, but we can enjoy the freedom and the liberty that we have today and actually become our own person. And that own person is a multicultural person. And we live in a multicultural society. We need to, to get it together and learn from each other. You know, it, it Trump is a foremost culture warrior and defender. He promises to bring back the kind of greatness that once existed, but has been taken by the political correct, the elitists, the namby-pamby left, the, the, these weirdos that, that are too focused on diversity to recognize the support of the forgotten people. That's why he promises to bring back coal. That's why he promised to, to the Boy Scouts that, that, that Merry Christmas would be out there and, and it, why he lamented new and, and very softer NFL rules on, on uh, concussions. It's also why he promised in April uh, 2016 in Pennsylvania to bring back the statue of Joe Paterno. You know, there, there's a, a current debate that uh, status and symbols are all that it's about. Now, let's look at this. You know, I know that a lot of people are convinced that Donald Trump is crazy. Dr. Keith Albo is a psychiatrist, and what he did was he basically uh, f- saw that a Yale forensic psychiatrist named uh, Bandy Lee was known to be consulting with other psychiatrists and with members of Congress about creating an expert panel to advise Congress on Trump's mental well-being. And uh, what he basically said is that is crazy to be going after his mental well-being because if you don't even know the guy, let's just look at his life. 
Donald Trump is stone cold sane and more than mentally fit to be the president of the United States. When a man acquires billions of dollars, and this is Dr. Keith Albo's words, billions of dollars through complex real estate transactions, invests in many countries, goes on a phenomenal success on television, turns his name into a worldwide brand, he is very unlikely to be mentally unstable. He also says, when the same man obviously enjoys the love and respect of his children and his wife who seem to rely on him for support and guidance, it is extraordinarily unlikely that he's mentally unstable. He goes on to say, when the same man walks into a political arena, deftly defeats 16 Republican opponents, and then their Democratic heir apparent, Hillary Clinton, to a two-term presidency administration, the odds are that man being mentally unstable become vanishingly thin. Uh, Dr. Albo goes on to say, and when that very same man attracts to his team the kind of intellect and gravitas represented just to name a few of them, uh, uh, Secretary of Housing and Urban Development, Dr. Ben Carson, uh, Attorney General Jeff Sessions, Rex Tillerson, our Secretary of State, uh, four-star General John Kelly, uh, Secretary of Defense James Mattis, a retired Marine Corps General and Commander of the U.S. Central Command. He cannot be mentally deranged, period. It is statistically impossible. You know, uh, even his ex-wives, have have uh, voted for him and campaigned for him, even his ex-wives. You know, it's amazing that uh, if you're still worried about the mental stability of the president, the stock market doesn't look like it's unstable. Investors are having a heyday in mass, and they can take a measure of the man pretty darn well. You know, the stock market has hit a record high after record high since Trump's election. If you think that's an accident, or that investors have all been fooled, it's time to start wondering about your own capacity for rational thought. Employers don't like instability either, and job growth is surging. And we as America could be thriving if we would just jump on the agenda and start listening to each other and get things done. But we got to put the pressure on the politicians because that is where it all starts. And they all are too scared to pass anything or too radical on the Democratic Party to vote for anything. You know, um, neither Lincoln or Churchill or Gandhi led a nation after becoming a business sensation or a television star. That That is just like Donald Trump. They're their own persons, and they know what they want, and they have beliefs. So, um, you know, think about those who are uh, out there creating problems and identifying, using identity politics on, on the president's mental status. You know, take uh, Al Franken. You know, he, he's all worried about the president allegedly overestimating the crowd size as the, at his inauguration, you know, or uh, Elizabeth Warren, who asserted that she's a Native American where there's no evidence of that whatsoever. You know, you just can't make it up, guys. You got to understand, we have got to embrace leadership. We got real leadership and let's embrace it and let's try to calm this nation down and listen to each other. Right, wrong, and different. Perception, perception, perception. Okay, now the media and mental health. Dramatic influence of, of social media, computers, telephony, television, movies, internet. They continue to surprise us all. 
among the most fascinating developments is what we are learning from brain research, uh, uh, magnetic MRIs. The results are revealingly specific outcomes that affect the brain and the behavior. Media psychology is now official subspecialty in the field of psychology. You know, recently in Washington, D.C., uh, there has even been meetings of people who are now practicing in media psychology because media psychology is about influencing and brainwashing people into following something and into purchasing things. Now that kind of media is out there and so the psychology of that media is newly developing because that media can hurt people. It can also help people enormously look at what's going on in Houston with the flooding down there. But my God, you know, that's a good thing. That's when it's doing a good thing. But then when it's bored and wants to pick fights, it'll pick fights and they just keep going and going and going. So, you know, what are the good media effects? Well, IQs are rising. That's according to uh, Education Testing Service. Much of this increase is due to advances in media-assisted uh, learning and interactive game playing. Uh, girls are advancing in the field of science. Some studies attributed to this increased numbers of females engaging in interactive gameplay. And the nexus between the media and learning is increasingly popular, and we're learning more about learning. Uh, communication is increasing across our cultures, and media has helped uh, foster public understanding of a lot of crucial issues. And so the bad effects, uh, you know, attention spans are decreasing because of the exposure to excessively stimulating and uh, fast-packed media and direct link between exposure to the media and simulation and attention deficit disorder has surfaced from research. You know, violence in media causes uh, 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 desensitization to violence, and it may facilitate violent acts. So violence may be contagious by observational learning and social uh, agreement. And that's, once again, why identity politics needs to be pulled back. We need to move away from that and deal with the truth for the safety and the sanity of all people. You know, uh, uh, media-assisted crimes like identity theft and child pornography are taking new forms. Internet addiction disorder is increasingly diagnosed. And research has found that playing action video games has a positive effect, leading to the improvements on visual attention. Therefore, research is, is revealing both problems and benefits from the relationship between media stimulation and attention. So, you know, looking at this, we have to take on what is stress, what is it all about, and how does it affect our society? We're going to go into that in just a little bit, but, you know, stress often affects our social lives. You know, when we undergo a high level of persistent stress, individuals frequently retract from social interactions and become irritable and hostile. That's what we've got today, a very irritable and hostile society out there. All right, we're going to take a quick break. We're going to come back, talk about stress and and our social lives. Uh, We're going to talk about stress in our political lives, and we're going to talk about taking life too serious. Come back. us on Twitter for more great ideas at Voice America Empowerment. Do you like what you're hearing on the show today? 
Dr. Gary Bell wants to help you no matter where you are. He's fast, efficient, effective, and has a no-bull approach to helping you in less than 10 sessions. If you're ready to change right now, drop everything and call or text Dr. Bell at 951-818-7856 or visit drgbmft.com today. You can also follow Dr. Bell on Twitter at drgbmft for some great insight and direction. Are you ready? Make that change. Pick up the phone or go to the site, 951-818-7856 or drgbmft.com. Remember, drgbmft.com. Follow us on Twitter for more great ideas at Voice America Empowerment. You are tuned in to Dr. Gary Bell's Absurd Psychology. If you have a question for Dr. Gary or his guest, please call in to 1-888-346-9141. That's 1-888-346-9141. That's easy enough, but if you want to send an email, it'll take some thinking. Got a pen? The email address is drgbmft at sbcglobal.net. Or you can just click on Email Host on the Voice America page. Now back to Dr. Gary Bell's Absurd Psychology. Welcome back, everybody. Okay, now, when we're talking about identity politics and the radicalization of America, and, and what I'm basically talking about is, you know, what happens is a lot of heated social interactions and debates and, and protests take place on the media today. And that attention, there's tons of that that goes on out there. And, and those social interactions that are irritable and hostile have an effect on how people's uh, behaviors are. A lot, of, a lot of people are moving more towards antisocial behaviors, including social detachment and violence um, and, and early life adversity. You know, it affects early life stress depending on the timing of the exposure and the genetic factors. In re- research in animals and in humans has revealed that some of the structural, functional, and molecular changes in the brain that underlie the effects of stress on societal behavior. So findings emerging in that field, they have implications both for the clinic and for society. You know, social stress is stress and it stems from one's own relationship with others and from the social environment in general and our social environment includes our televisions our computers our telephones all the media things that touch us youtube all that stuff it does affect us those are social interactions they may not be with a live person but that person may be live in in that particular media uh radio uh xm radio You know, based on the appraisal theory of emotion, stress arises when a person elevates a situation as personally relevant and perceives that he or she does not have the resources to cope and handle with a specific situation. You know, event which exceeds a person's ability to cope does not necessarily have to occur in order for one to experience stress as the threat of such an event occurring can be sufficient and that is one of the things that's going on today there is the threat to get rid of president trump there is a continuous threat to try to get rid of president trump well that will debase a lot of what people voted for a majority of, 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 of the you know of a majority of people in the united states as states not as uh, individuals but as states voted for him and so you know hey you, you have a leader there. 
you need to go for it. And that platform is very good. It's very good. You know, humans are social beings by nature, and they typically have a fundamental need and a desire to maintain positive social relationships. We need to calm down. We need to calm down and dialogue. You know, we, we, uh, people will usually find maintaining positive social ties to be beneficial. Social relationships can offer nurturance, foster feelings of social inclusion, lead to re, uh, uh, reproductive success, and anything that disrupts and threatens to disrupt the relationship or a relationship to, to society creates social stress, social fears, low social status in society, or a lack of wanting to participate in society and help each other. You know, if you look at people, um, they a lot of uh, people have chronic illnesses and, and they have what are called somatic illnesses. And the reason is, is because they're stressed. Stress is the main ingredient that will destroy a human being. You know, if you have cancer, if you have heart disease, if you have diabetes in, in your genetics, that's probably your exit strat- uh, strategy to die. And guess what turns that on? Your brain, and when does your brain turn that on? Under enormous amounts of long-term stress. And that is what is heating up in the United States, a lot of long-term stress. It's bad enough for us to have crazy North Korea over there and, and not do anything about it. It's bad enough to, to, to have a lot of people dislike us in, in this world but, and dislike the freedom that we have in this society and But now we're going for labels and shutting down and creating a lot of social stress with each other. And those stressors take a toll on the people that are the most unhealthy. Also, uh, social stress creates depression. You know, a risk for developing clinical depression significantly increases after uh, experiencing social stress. The depressed individuals often experience interpersonal loss before becoming depressed. And one study has found that depressed individuals who have been rejected by others and developed depression about three times more quickly than those who had experienced stress not involving social rejection. And in non-clinically depressed populations, people with friends and family who make too many demands or criticize or create tension or conflict tend to have more depression symptoms. Conflict between spouses also leads to more psychological distress and depressive symptoms. Well, guess what we're seeing in therapy these days? People that are getting divorced over the election because of the sides that they're taking. That is amazing to me. It is amazing that people would do that, that would get hurt their children's lives because of their political correctness with each other. That is insane that we can't listen and, and form a bond between each other with two different opinions. We didn't marry to change each other. We married the individual that we married because we love them. You know, anxiety also takes on a big thing. Uh, lots of anxiety disorders are rooted in the consistent activation of a stress response. So fear, which is the defining emotion of an anxiety disorder, occurs when someone perceives a situation is threatening or out of control. 
And so this activates the stress response. So if a person has difficulty regulating that stress response, it may activate inappropriately. Stress can therefore arise from a, a real stressor or a present stressor or a stressor that we witness on television or listen to on the radio. Those stressors affect us if we take them in and if we are predispositioned to an anxiety disorder, we're likely to develop more of that pers- that uh, anxiety disorder and it more likely will become more pervasive as we live in a stressed out society with a stressed out media. You know, research shows that connection between social stress, such as traumatic life events and chronic strains, development of anxiety disorders, you know, a a study imagined and explained and examined a, a subpopulation of adults, both young and middle-aged, and found that those who had diagnosed panic disorder in childhood or in adulthood also experienced sexual abuse during childhood. So children who, expen- uh, who experience social stressors such as physical or psychological abuse, as well as uh, parental loss, are also more at risk of developing anxiety disorders during adulthood than children who did not experience those stressors. And now the long-term effects of so- social stress occurs uh, beginning early in life and they can have uh, a psychopathological effects that develop a, uh, that persist in the uh, childhood in adulthood uh, a long-term study found that children were more likely to have a psychiatric disorder like anxiety and depression disruptive personality substance use disorders in late adolescence and early adulthood when their parents showed more maladaptive child rearing behaviors So loud arguments between parents, verbal abuse, uh, difficulty controlling anger towards a child, lack of uh, parental support or availability, harsh punishment. And guess what children are discussing? And because of our lovely media, this is what children are discussing in in, uh, school. Politics. Politics. Amazing. And guess what they learn at college? Liberal politics, label politics, identity politics. When can they just learn? When can they just learn and form their own opinion? You know, relapse and reoccurrence. Social stress also uh, exacerbates uh, psychological conditions and, and compromises recovery. So, you know, for instance, patients recovering from depression or bipolar are two times more likely to relapse if there is uh, societal tension or social tension. And that could include family tension. So people with eating disorders are also more likely to relapse uh, if they're if they're living in a society with lots of opposition and lots of uh, positions and lots uh, and a lack of human uh, uh, human spirit. You know, it's it's sad that as our media makes so much money labeling people, they are stressing people out and exacerbating disorders that they're already struggling with. You know, traumatic life events and social stressors also can exacerbate PTSD, post-traumatic stress disorder. You know, here we are at war. We are sending people to war and they come back and then we're here at society. We're all divided just like we were during Vietnam. It's, It's the craziest thing. So what does social stress do on our physically? Well, mortality. Social status as a micro social stressor is a robust predictor of death. Uh, You know, um... 
Uh, similarly, social stressors in the microenvironment are linked to increased mortality. Um, also, social support, people that have that, comfort, assistance, information receives, people that listen, people that are safe, they have a lot better physical outcomes because of the peace that they're feeling and the connectedness that they're feeling. You know, uh, morbidity also, social stress also makes people more sick. People who have fewer social contacts are at greater risk for developing illnesses, including cardiovascular disease. And uh, the lower a person's social status becomes, the more likely they are to have a cardiovascular, a gastrointestinal, uh, a a muscular skeletal, a neoplastic, uh, 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 pulmonary, uh, renal or a chronic disease. And so these links are not explained by other more traditional risk factors such as race, uh, health behaviors, age, sex, and access to healthcare. You know, uh, researchers interviewed participants to determine whether they had been experiencing social conflicts with spouses or witnessing as a part of a group or part of a family or friends. And the, the people that have that tend to have more uh, chronic diseases uh, come about in their life due to the fact that they're stressed out. So people that gravitate to stress and social stress are going to find themselves in a really big hurt because that may actually take their life for them earlier than they should have. You know, exposure to social stress in childhood can also have long-term effects, increasing risk for developing diseases later in life. So kids that are stressed out in childhood can also have years taken from them because of that stress and how they are treated and how they begin to fear, how they have low self-esteem, how they feel maladapted or afraid to speak an opinion because they may get labeled. And that unfortunately creates enormous amount of stress on them, which also triggers disease. You know, it's also been tied to worse health outcomes among patients who already have a disease. So, you know, when people are already sick, You do not want to have a stressed out social environment. Now, there's a guy named Chris McCombs. I would love to meet this guy. He has a blog. McCombs is spelled M-C-C-O-M-B-S. And he has written some really, uh, uh, he's written some really cool stuff that makes us all understand what it's like to be human. And I can't go through everything that's on his website, but he's put some really funny uh, things together about not taking yourself or life too seriously. You know, what he's basically saying is uh, some of the lies that have served you, some have held you back, and and some are just uh, uh, taking away your happiness. The truth is we only know a fraction of a fraction of what the universe is, the world and the life and what it's about. And and also, you know, your thinking has also been taken over by a scared uh, little, little child and it's, it's not very comforting to go back to that scared little child. But if you look at trauma, a lot of people will go back when they are traumatized to their developmental stage when they were traumatized. And so a lot of people react from a childhood event and they will use that same reaction in their life as an adult because that traumatic event may have been so strong and affected them at that age, their maturity level also will come out 
in that fact. Identity politics grabs onto those things because it creates very dramatic labels and moments, especially if you were involved in lots of cliques in your uh, high school or in uh, junior high or elementary school, which can also bring back a lot of trauma because suddenly you lose friends or you become alienated due to a label that somebody has put on you. You know, people who take life too seriously are no fun to be around. No matter how cool, and this is Chris talking, uh, we try to appear to be, we are strange, crazy, and prone to madness. And being all serious about what people think about you, even if you're one of those silent, mysterious types with a serious demeanor, it's not being authentic. It's putting on a show. And, you know, uh, it's good to go with the flow, learn to hang out with all the bad things, the warts, the bumps, the lumps about all of us, not taking your thoughts too serious about what others think of you all the time, not trying to appear tough or cool or on top of your game when you know you aren't. And it's a way to go single every time. It's a way for you to just accept life. You know, the, the other thing is, is life more fun is more fun when you don't take it so seriously. And if you have to look at uh, how ridiculous our popular beliefs are in our culture, you know, Kim Kardashian is now a best-selling author. Snooky uh, chick is too. Nothing against them, but they're, they're going to make you wonder. Also, The Bachelorette is the most popular show on televisions. There are millions of people who firmly believed you're going to burn like grilled cheese sandwich because you don't believe the way they believe. And they will happily tell you about it every chance they get. Unless, of course, you're the same set of beliefs that they are. And then uh, what you do is you get to join their clique. All right, that's our show. I don't mean to be stumbling around, but I'm trying to cover a topic that's very difficult to cover, especially when people are so radicalized. Our next show is Widow Recovery. I want to thank everybody for listening. I'd love to hear from you. My email is drgbmft at sbcglobal.net or at Twitter at drgbmft. Now, remember, everything is changing. People are, are, are taking their comedians seriously and politicians as a joke. That's Will Rogers. Also, P.J. O'Rourke wrote, The Democrats are the party of the government activism, the party that says government can make you richer, smarter, taller, and and, and, uh, get the chickweed out of your lawn. And Republicans are the party that says government doesn't work, and they get elected, and then they prove it. (laughs) Thanks for listening. That's our show for this week. Please join Dr. Gary Bell for another edition of Absurd Psychology next Friday at 4 p.m. Eastern Time, 1 p.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Empowerment Channel. Now, go impress your friends and family with what you've learned today and have them tune in next week so they can be almost as smart as you. 